This podcast is brought to you by Dr. James McIntyre and his team at Adjust Your Health in North Calgary. When I met Dr. James almost 20 years ago, I was taking 10 to 12 Advil every day just to get through my workday, not to mention the stuff I was doing at night like alcohol and other substances. I suffered from chronic pain due to car accidents, sports injury, and repetitive motion damage from being a drywaller. I had worked in the trades for nearly 20 years and had more than 10 car accidents, three very serious ones. I had some severe sports-related injuries. Most of my cryo SI would only give me temporary relief from day-to-day pain. It was getting expensive and depressing to see the other doctors knowing that I would be right back into the same boat the next morning. I was lucky that the last chiropractor I saw said that she cannot help me anymore and directed me to Dr. James McIntyre. After only a few visits, I felt tremendously better. Most of my pain had left, my mobility was coming back, and I didn't need as much Advil. If I remember right, it was only a few months and I was almost completely off the pills and life was getting better. I have known Dr. James and his crew for almost 18 years and referred almost everyone I know to him and they have become Adjust Your Health advocates. The team at Adjust Your Health offers a wide array of services including acupuncture, massage therapy, chiropractic, and physiotherapy. They believe in a multidisciplinary approach to patients' care and use a variety of techniques to help their patients achieve their goals of pain relief or injury resolution to improve sports performance. Calgary is privileged to have such a highly qualified team of practitioners available to accommodate your health and well-being needs. If you are in pain or an athlete or just want to be as healthy as possible, check them out at www.ayhcalgary.com. Our next sponsor is Paul Nye from Nye's Touch and Nye's Tats. There's some debate over who invented the first motorbike. Several men claim to have the first designer patent. Regardless who it was, my guess is that the very next year, some dude started customizing his newly invented contraption. Throughout history, men and women have been altering their transportation to move faster, turn sharper, or turn ahead or two. If you are customizing your ride to be low and slow, shiny and fast, loud and obnoxious, You have not completed the project until you have your custom paint job done. Paul Nye at Nye's Touch is your guy for custom paint on bikes, boats, cars, buses, or anything else you ride. You want a bike that looks like no one else? Nice touch. You want to honor a fallen friend with the hood of your car? Nice touch. You want a mural of your favorite girl on the side of a bus? You guessed it. Nice touch. Paul has been airbrushing for more than 15 years and his work will take your breath away. Check out his work on Instagram at Dripping Chrome or on Facebook at Nice Touch or call him at 587-435-4602 for your free estimate. Don't forget, Paul will be in a tattoo studio near me soon. And now, on with the show. No. Podcast. With Chad Ferguson. Hey everybody, this is Chad with the I Want to Know podcast, a kick-ass podcast. Here with a new friend today, Heath Kai. That's pretty good. I mess up names. 
pretty regularly. That was good. Usually people like to say, uh, if, if they're saying my name for the first time, it's usually Keith. And sometimes they'll say Keith Hyde, oh, which is actually really so confusing. So close to coming out of the, my uh, lips, so I'm yeah. glad I didn't. It's like Keith can be a normal name. He can um, be. You know, and, uh, and Kai is literally three letters. It's short, sweet, Chinese. And, um, yeah. and so many people th- say Kia. <laughs> <laughs> like the cute little car. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So it's okay to be named Keith, right? Right. And since I was born in the seventies, um, uh, that wasn't uh, Heath. Heath was a little bit of a more more common name because of uh, probably why I was named, um, which was Lee Major's character in Big Valley. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, see, I was born in the seventies too. Yeah, I just see the light bulbs remenders. going off there. Yeah. yeah, the light bulbs going off. And so, yeah, he was a farmhand, and uh, his his name was Heath. And I actually knew a few Heaths growing up, but everybody would say Keith all the time until uh, until Heath Ledger became mm. a movie star, and then it was okay to be named Heath. Right. Yeah. Well, and then he's a pretty good looking guy. Yeah. You sort of fall into well, that somebody category. Asked me. <laughs> yeah. I've been listening to your podcast for a little bit, and one of the things I really appreciate is uh, one of the first things that you hear is uh, these opening <laughs> cans. So I'm going to go ahead and open my yeah. can of San Pellegrino. We, we try to green impress. tea and peach here. Ah, there, there we go. go. There's yeah. nothing better than the sound of a can opening up. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Chad, thanks for thanks for having me as a guest. I'm actually wondering if I can start by asking you a couple of questions. Absolutely. Fire kind away. of like a kind of like a reverse interview. Yeah. Um so this podcast is two years old. A uh, year and a half, yep. Yeah, okay. Okay. How did you come up with this idea? Well, I'm a big fan of the Joe Rogan podcast. I love people. Aren't we all? Mm-hmm. I love learning the art of conversation and and it changes with who you're with. Yeah. So that's a big part of it and I grew up pretty ignorant, not really having that desire to learn, the desire to meet people. We kind of stayed in our little pod and uh, as I got older and realized that wasn't that beneficial for me, is uh, I just started trying to meet as many people as I could and then the podcast is like this will be great, like this is an awesome way to sit down face to face, get to know somebody, learn the art of conversation and just grow as a person. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And so it was your idea totally to start a podcast? Yeah, I think some people thought it was pretty silly, pretty ridiculous. Like, why would you bother? And like, it's for my benefit only. Yeah. And um, lots of people in this world think that lots of things are silly, right? (laughs) Anything that's out of the norm, anything that's different, anything that somebody else wouldn't do, lots of people think are very silly. We had... um, uh, Jeff Freeborn on last night doing a podcast. This is coming out Thursday. Yours going to come out the following Thursday. Um, and he was a pro uh, baseball pitcher uh, for the Vipers. And we talk about how not many people want to do that little extra, take that yeah. one extra step, yeah. right? And this is my one extra step. I could just do my job and come home and watch TV or scroll my phone or play video games, and it's not what I want to do. Yeah, I, yeah. We as human beings are capable of so much more. Oh, I agree. Um, I don't, I'm not sure where I heard it, but um, speaking of the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, yeah. he's had uh, lots of interesting guests on, like Cameron Haynes. Amazing um, guy. And um, I'm also a bow hunter, so uh, I, it's I on I, my I, list to talk to you so, about. So I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate Cameron Haynes a lot, but um, uh, uh, also people like Jocko Willick and uh, and whatnot. <laughs> and um, they'll talk literally. They'll talk about. Um, how you know you first your your brain first starts ta- starts telling you that you want to quit at forty percent forty percent of what you can do right right and you can do a little bit more and a little bit more I try to teach even like my eight year old daughter yeah. that 
uh, you know, doing hard things is hard, but as soon as we do this hard thing, we know we can do it. Right. And then uh, if we know we're that strong to do that one hard thing, then we can do the next hard thing and the next hard thing. Yeah. Right? And um, on the road to doing all of those things are, you know, lined up of people that will support you. Yeah. And also lined up of people that will tell you that you're... You're you're an idiot, right? Yeah. For for trying. Why right? bother? Why put the effort in? Why why why? Exactly. Exactly. It's my why? I get to do it. So how many how many recordings are you doing per week of this podcast? Uh, we're really close to uh, probably a little over one a week. We've had some people that had to back out, so they're sitting in a can, never to be released. Um, so we're trying. <laughs> yeah, we did, um, and they're going to come back again. But Rare Cannabis here in town did a podcast with us, and the very next day they. Uh, uh, met with their uh, governing body and realized it said some things that they weren't allowed to say. Uh, and so they phoned me up and uh, asked me politely not to air it and uh, that they would come back on again when they had better rules. So, you know, we've done, I would say we're on episode, this is episode 71, I think, coming out. And I probably in the that time missed two or three weeks, possibly. I'm looking at Eric trying to decide if that's true. Probably missed... Two to four weeks total in the 70 weeks. My uh, first year as a podcast, my goal was to do one a week no matter what. Just put one out. And I did. Mm-hmm. And the other rule was it had to be minimum of an hour, maximum of two hours. And I failed at that. So most of them were except for one. I did one podcast by myself because we had guests not show up and stuff. It was just stuff that happens. Uh-huh. Just you talking? Just me talking. <laughs> and I couldn't drag it out a whole hour by myself. And uh-huh. I was... I, I uh, we stopped recording and I walked away very disappointed. Oh, uh-huh. I was like, oh, you can't! I just I needed like twelve more minutes. Like, dude, you got nothing else, and I just drew a complete blank and couldn't do anything. So, <laughs> so either way, we met most of our goals for the year, and we had to double up on guests and stuff like that to make it happen. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we've we've hit most of our goals throughout the time. Uh, but the important part is that you set goals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's so so important in any kind of, not even just in business, but in life itself, is yeah. to set goals. I like to call them intentions, like set your intentions, right? Um, lots like of my that. stuff and lots of the, lots of the, um, lots of the journey that I've, you know, recorded is mostly on Instagram. Yeah. And um, the nice thing about Instagram is, is um, it's all picture-based and video-based, photo-based. Yeah. Um, and I have some, uh, uh, on my, on my Instagram account, I actually have, uh, I have a couple of highlights. Oop. Oh, see, oh, now, good. that's our gong show. Yeah, it's that's the gong show. <laughs> Heath Kai talking with his hands, Mr. Enthusiastic. You don't have to sit on him. <laughs> so um, uh, there is, you can do highlights, and I only have two. One is the polls that I do, which are usually for entertainment purposes only. Yeah. Uh, and actually, the last few recent ones have been for clothing, which is really funny because, you know, I'm a middle-aged, you know, uh, well, I guess average build now, not super overweight anymore, um, guy. Um, but the other one is warrior wisdom and it's just little tidbits that come to my mind. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, uh, one of the ones was like, uh, you know, set your intentions yeah. and, um, decide uh, how you're going to change to get there and just take, take that first step. Like the, the first, the first, uh, the hardest part about starting is starting. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually... Um, that was actually Lonnie Nahu that told me that. Yeah, friend, um, a mutual friend of ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that. Well, you pointed that out on Facebook that he was a mutual friend. It's funny you were saying that because we were talking about starting the podcast. I literally had the equipment for probably almost a year. And uh, my original co-host on the show, um, we kept talking about it. We kept meeting. And he's like, are you going to set a date? 
Like, either shit or get off the pot. Like, this is what's going to happen. And I'm like, okay, I'll set a date. We set a date, and we had a release. But I took a friend to say, hey, you've been talking about this long enough. It's time to get going. And, and that we, was Lonnie? No, it was uh, the original co-host we had, Mark Smith, um, that we had on the show. Um, he's no longer on the show with us. He's a single dad, has a tough time getting out on time. But uh, mm-hmm. it's a shame, because he's got a very different perspective than me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, I miss it. But uh, I that's good though. That's good to have a co-host that is coming from a different place. Um, I mean, I uh, I toyed with the idea. Uh, it was actually my associate's idea, a coworker of mine, um, Brandon Johnsey, that uh, I was working with for a long time. He thought that we should do a podcast because we actually, him and I, think about things a lot differently. Yeah. And um, we can play off each other too. Uh, we can push each other's buttons and still, you know, remain calm and whatnot. <laughs> but we can play devil's advocate for each other, and that's really important to have, you know, a dynamic kind Some of uh, hosting of like that. But we were talking about Lonnie Nahu. How did? How did so? How do you? How do you know Lonnie? Uh, taekwondo. So ah. uh, through Dana Johnson and Destiny Martial Arts. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I did martial arts growing up, and and some of my adulthood kind of off and on and wanted to get my or introduce my kids to it so we took them to destiny martial arts and we did taekwondo for a season as a family uh, my kids hated it but i met lonnie i met uh, <laughs> dana johnson who is a really really awesome guy as well and then mm-hmm. lonnie actually came and worked for the company that i managed um off and on for a little bit when he was between jobs and uh yeah for beyond so foam for beyond foam yeah okay yeah yeah i know lonnie from um uh, since before I was married, maybe 12 years ago, oh, wow. um, since, uh, yeah, uh, my wife and I uh, moved into Coventry Hills and, yep. uh, we started going to the local place, which was Cardell place at the time. Now it's Vivo. Yep. Uh, and he was, uh, he was the climbing supervisor there. It does everything. I know. I know. And he's uh, he's a personal coach. And, um, uh, the, th- the really interesting thing about coaching now, especially personal coaching like that, um, because I go to Orange Theory, we'll get into that uh, in a bit here. Yeah. Um, and Orange Theory has coaches, but when, when you get these, when you get these personal coaches, these personal trainers, um, they're, they are, and this will, this will tie into, of course, what we're going to be talking about. Um, more and more, they have to talk about like the emotional journey. Because yeah. that's literally what drives us. Sean McCauley, one of your guests as well, uh, back in March, yeah. um, really, really, uh, really, really focuses on that. He's a pastor. He's an and, amazing uh, guy. Yeah, he's an amazing dude. And his story's, his story's great, too. Yeah. I really appreci- appreciate his story. I've known him for a couple decades. Nice. Um, and I always appreciate pastors that come to faith as opposed to are, are like, you know, born and raised in the faith, right? Because when you come to a faith... And become a pastor because of coming to the faith. It's it's a real thing. Like you choose that. It is your path, right? Yeah. It's not a path that has that you've that you've taken on because of, you, you know your your parents started you on it or whatever. Um, that doesn't discount somebody's path that is like that Some either. Some of them are very good. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't that doesn't discount you know somebody's faith journey that you know it happens to be their parents. But when you come from a background like like Sean did, yeah. right? And, um, and, and come to faith and have that, have that journey. Um, it's just, it's just so powerful and the, and the, and the story is, uh, extremely inspiring. Um, uh, yeah, that podcast is, uh, is available for, for, for those people that are listening. You know what it is, um... I thought about this lots too because I've met uh, pastors and people that grew up in the church and yeah. I found them difficult sometimes to deal with because they 
it's one of those things like when you're a carpenter, you know how to be a carpenter, you're you're excellent. But you may not be the best teacher because you don't know what other people don't know. Mm. You've never dealt with those things. And again, not discounting it, but a lot of Christians come across as judgy or or um, difficult to be around, I think, yeah. because of that. Like, well, there's one way. Well, there's more than one mm. way. There's better ways of each one. And so I that's the challenge I have. So I meet someone like Sean that, like you said, came to faith. Mm-hmm. I find they have a lot more curiosity, a lot more drive. Yes. They dig in deep and yes. go, why? Why? And are willing to look at things from a broader picture, yeah. right? Not not something that's so narrow. Um, and yeah, um, uh, yeah, uh, man, did we go back to the personal coaching part? Um, <laughs> uh, because there's lots to say on that too. Uh, but uh, coaching has become something that has to be like a mental and emotional thing. Yeah. And um, when you're talking about faith journey, it's 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 that too. Like uh, you. Um, um, is it is it your wife that's the holistic nutritionist? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Sean's wife is uh, they, they a nutritionist went to school as well. together. Well, then there you go. Yeah. So the concept of holistic, the concept of holistic itself is you know mind, body, spirit. Right. And so uh, a successful kind of transformation and um, and now um, you know um, a really acceptable you know Western. Uh, word is transformation, that we always need to be transforming ourselves. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like, you know, if you want to get technical, that's written in the Old Testament, right? Yeah. <laughs> Transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Right. Um, the, um, uh, and and it's, it's, it's so important to, uh, when you're training and when you're developing yourself, when you're changing yourself in any way, to do it in a holistic way, or else it doesn't have the same kind of, uh, it doesn't have the same kind of longevity, Right. Well, we see this with people with weight loss, right? They get mm-hmm. yeah. on just strictly a weight loss. I'm going to cut my calories. I'm going to add vegetables. I'm going to stop junk, sugar, yeah. whatever. They drop weight, but then very shortly it goes back on again because yeah. they never... It's not sustainable. They never dealt with the problem why they put the weight on in the yeah. first place, right? Or they've never dealt with the emotion behind why they yeah. eat. They've never dealt with the the, the pains and stressors in their life. Yeah. So you're just naturally going to go back to what you're doing. I even find with me, and I'm not, uh, according to my doctor, I'm obese, but... <laughs> That's because body um, body mass index is literally just says you need to be a certain weight because of how tall you are. Right. right? And, and I'm supposed to be 180 pounds. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I'm supposed to be I, 172. Yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I can't even imagine my body at, you know, yeah. that 175, 180 pounds. And, and, you know, I've talked to lots of people about this, and being at low body fat is super important. It's the number mm. one predictor of a disease is the amount of yep. percentage of fat in your body. And so I get all that stuff. I understand it. But at the same time, like being at 12% for most of your life and 18% is like, mm-hmm. that's pretty difficult to do. It goes back to what you just said about one way. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I actually went, I, tra- I trained for the ministry as well. Same school that uh, Sean did mm-hmm. um, just much later. Because what school was that? Sean is, you know, significantly older than I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap shot when he's not here. Are you planning on rolling with him anytime no, soon? No, no. <laughs> I, I specifically don't do jujitsu. I trained, uh, I trained, uh, karate was my martial art. Nice. Uh, back in the day. And uh, actually, I think what it helped most with was my transition into dance. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I didn't, I wasn't an athlete in high school. Yeah. Um, I was in choir, and then I started taking dance because all these girls in choir were in dance, and I went to a couple dance classes, and I was like, "How is how is every teenage boy not figured this out?" Right, right. Follow the cute girls. Yeah. Anyways, that's a that's a tangent. <laughs> um, so at this school, um, 
there was people from all walks of life. There was people like myself that came to faith. Yeah. There was people that, uh, and there was people that had been like straight up homeschooled, had never written any book except, read any book except for the Bible. Oh, wow. And um, there was, there, and there was teachers that were super conservative and, and, and teachers that were more liberal. Yeah. Um, but I always, uh, I, I always, um, I always kind of mixed my philosophies. So there's lots of good, there's lots of good, um, guidance in scripture. Uh, there's also lots of good guidance in, in other religious texts and in, uh, other kind of philosophies as well. Uh, the one that I really appreciate is Sun Tzu, who said, a warrior who knows only one way leads mm-hmm. himself open to attack. Yeah, yeah. And I've actually taken that into the trade that I do as well. Uh, my father and I are both carpenters and scaffolders. I've specifically worked in the scaffolding trade, um, for the last 12 years or so, but nice. really I started in 1990. It's been, a, it's been 21 years. Okay. I've been 21 years in that trade. Um, but uh, uh, I, when I'm training an apprentice, when I'm teaching an apprentice, or even when I'm teaching a, a journeyman, a new journeyman, or even a foreman, uh, uh, I, I tell them that. A warrior who knows only one way leads himself open to attack. I tell each apprentice, work with as many journeymen as you can yeah. and learn and learn many ways to do the job and to do what you're doing and to put on a clamp and to, you know, hit a wedge. Uh, learn as many ways as possible because that's how you learn what resonates for you and right. what works for you. Uh, and that kind of same that kind of same philosophy works in most most walks of life. Yeah. Right? Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. Like, yeah. you can't... if. <clears throat> So I, I, I attribute it to professional fighters, right? Someone yep. that spends their entire life just trying to be a professional fighter usually doesn't do well in business. Some can, but they usually don't. They don't do well in relationships. They don't become great dads. You have to be as well-rounded as you can, right? And, and again, mm-hmm. there's the 1% that can do absolutely everything. There's, there's great guys. But the more focused you are on mind, body, spirit, yeah. soul, um, relationships, love, caring, giving, all the m- m- the 12 rules of life, right? The, the Jordan Peterson stuff right behind you, uh-huh. <clears throat> right? All those things combined, you're just going to have a better life, an easier life. We're not mm-hmm. all going to be George St. Pierre's or Michael Jordan's or, or those people. Yeah. And good on them. I'm, I'm super impressed. I love watching them. I never get tired of them. Um, but that's not for everybody. No. Right? No. No, it's definitely not. Um, but the people that are successful are the people that, um, I guess, quotation mark fingers, get it, right? <laughs> um, I think a good example is probably, uh, um, well, an obvious example, I guess, would be Jocko Willick, <clears throat> right? Insane. Yeah, I would say insane is actually a pretty good description. And that's not a, right? that's, I'm not trying to put him down at no, all. No, no, the guy goes from Navy SEAL yeah, and, um, and bases kind of his whole... Uh, education into business in conflict. Like, I'm going to beat you, I'm going to beat you, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and everything was uh, was really competitive the way that he was learning. He was competing against, uh, you know, uh, and it's all internal. There was no actual competition. He just set that up in his mind about, like, you know, competing against his uh, professors yeah. and c- competing against anybody that t- can tell that tells him he can't do it, yeah. right? Um, and, um, uh, and yeah, that's why... Uh, that's- I, I, I'm going to stop for one sec. Did you hear uh, Cameron Hames talking about... Um, um, David Goggins, the last time they got together. No, but David Goggins <clears throat> is another person that if you want to use insane. the word insane about mental discipline and integrity, that's... So they went yeah. for a 35-mile run in the morning. Then the, they went Which shot. is chump change to both of them. Nothing. Yeah. 100-mile runs every other day, yep. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So they did their 35-mile run, then they went and did two, three hours of weightlifting, and then they did a couple hours of shooting bow, and then they went to um, uh, watch a UFC with Joe Rogan. But Cameron Haynes was talking about after 30-mile, 35-mile run, um, they when they were weightlifting, David Goggins is in there, and Cameron Haynes, you know, is all about high reps, right? How lift, many, lift, run, shoot. Lift, run, shoot. Right? Yep. You're, you're doing 100 curls. You're doing 100 presses. You're doing 100 of everything, yeah. right? And David Goggins is yelling. They're in, like, their little <laughs> Eugene, Oregon. He's like, who's going to lift this log? Who's going to pick up this yep. boat? And he's just screaming at this imaginary person but mm-hmm. that kept him motivated to yeah. keep up with Cameron. Yeah. Not that I think one one common one common theme between all of these people that we've been talking about. Yeah. Um Cameron Haynes, David Goggin, Jocko Willick, Sean McCulley. Yeah. And I'm using the name in the same <laughs> <laughs> the same level of people that we're referencing. Yeah. Um, is all uh um has to do with uh, being uncomfortable, like like mm-hmm. discomfort, right? Yeah. And how we uh, we only we only improve to the direct proportions of the amount of discomfort that we're willing to bear, right? Yep. And being pushed out of our uh, uh, being pushed out of our bubble all the time. That's what Jocko Willick is so obsessed. Well, I guess Joe Rogan is too with uh, with jujitsu. Yeah. Right. And I know you roll, right? Uh, it's been a while. You but train. Yeah. You yeah. train a bit. Um, Sean does. Yep. Uh, and um, and it's about like you know uh, when you're when you're when you're tied up in a knot. Yeah. You know when somebody's got their knee on your neck and you can't breathe. Um, you know you have a decision whether to tap out or whether to you know use your mind and your body all together. Yeah. Right to get out of that situation to solve that problem. Right. High level problem solving with dire consequences. Yeah, right? that's exactly <laughs> it. And uh, depending on who you're rolling with too, that person understands that just as much yeah right and so that's kind of that would be the beauty of it but i mean like i'm talking about jujitsu and i literally <laughs> know nothing about it i am just be, i'm just talking about it from the concept of like being uncomfortable and also uh challenging somebody forcing somebody to be uncomfortable right, right? and knowing that you're doing your your you're challenging somebody to become uncomfortable to improve to grow to grow because you appreciate them love them um, want to see them succeed as well, right? Exactly. It's one of those things, like even as a parent with my kids, I don't go solve their problems. I give them tools to solve their problems. And my staff, it's the same thing. I have guys come in, I'm not working with so-and-so anymore. So you quit? No? Oh, then you're going to act like an adult and you're going to go talk to them. Yeah, that's it, yeah. This is what we do. And, and <laughs> as they get get through that uncomfortable moment and realize they're not going to get punched in the face or, right. you know, they can get through it. You can have a conflict with somebody yeah. and still like the person and still work <laughs> yeah. with them and see them every day. Because if you've been married, you know that you have to learn how to have a conflict and still like the person. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just That's in the middle a... of reading or listening to a book right now, Crucial Conversations. Yeah. It's insanely good. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about just this. How do you do those difficult conversations? Yeah. So, yeah, you get the chance. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it's <clears throat> funny that you talk about uh, married and healthy conflict because, uh, yeah, it's important to, um, it's important to uh, uh, think about, uh, like, uh, love languages as well. Yep. Um that book is phenomenal, but it's um, there's a, there's a book that goes along with it. Like uh, it's not just the five love languages. There's also the five languages of apology. Oh, okay, and those are those are books that are written same author. They're written together. They're written to be read together. Oh, okay, and the um, the five languages of apology actually were 
I found them more interesting than the five love languages because the five love languages is always something that you can do. Yeah. <laughs> you can decide to love your partner through, you know, acts of service, um, you know, um, words gift of affirmation, giving. gift giving, th- th- those sorts of things, right? But the uh, the uh, five languages of apology is literally like, you know, th- that's that's a lot of internal work that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's killing that ego that's exactly, you from exactly. being that good guy that's really yeah. deep down in there. Yeah, and when you're talking about people that, you know, I'm not working with that guy anymore, right? Yeah. I'm not working with that clown. <laughs> did you just did you just say the C word? <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, uh, so when uh, coming up in uh, in construction uh, and especially um, in uh, in my trade is a really, really physical trade, yep. right? Uh, and so uh, uh, you get guys that are, um, you, you get a lot of people in the trade. Well, you get, you get people from all walks of life. All walks of life, right? right? But a lot of the dynamic uh, seems to be, you know, guys that are, you know, physically oriented, and um, and sometimes that means that you know there's like uh, relationship problems, we'll say. <laughs> uh, and any time that I've uh, trained a foreman, yeah, uh, I've, I've the first question I've asked is, you know, are you a father? Yeah, uh, and are you like? A real father, like, are you a deadbeat dad, or were you there when your kids were toddlers? Right. Bottom line: Have you taken care of toddlers? Have you have you had to supervise toddlers that you love and can't kill? Yeah. Right. And have That's to why deal God with makes them cute. Yeah, and, and and have to deal with all of their emotions and you know their big problems and you know that sort of thing. If you've done that, you can be uh, you can be a foreman. Yeah. You can be a construction supervisor because sometimes it's not a whole lot different. It's really not. Yeah, and I I really have to um, uh, I had to start really watching my myself when we were, uh, when I was on, uh, which project? The Bow Tower. Yeah. Uh, when we were building the Bow Tower, um, the company I worked for, we had kind of a revolving door of, um, of tradesmen. Uh, and again, from all walks of life and all levels of like emotional maturity. And, uh, uh, I had to watch myself because sometimes I would get actually pretty patronizing with guys. Like I was actually talking to my children, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, okay, okay, okay. Settle let's down, bring your yeah, let's down. breathe. Let's just let's just <laughs> breathe together for one minute. Let's stop talking and let's just breathe. Yeah. Let's just breathe, and then like let's use actual words and not yell. Yeah. Right. Uh, because I'm not going to react to your emotion with my own emotions. So yeah. let's just talk and talk about what happened. And right. And so yeah. What what one of my favorites is like we need to talk right now. Yeah. Uh, no, we need to work right now. Yeah. So you can book a time with me, yeah. and we can resolve this conflict later on. Yeah. But right now we have customers waiting on no, us. Nothing is more important than my emotional needs. Right. Yeah. When I'm ready. Yeah. That's the joy of being the boss. Is yeah. it? It's when I'm ready, and then you don't get to bully me. You don't get to push me around and tell me what to do because right. they gave me the role because I'm the one that's going to guide this company where it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny to watch some people. They the one of the things we did at church recently was talking about passive aggressiveness, and mm. he didn't even do it as a service. He did it just for um, his team, uh, the pastor's team, and he's like, "We're all done with this passive aggressiveness. Real aggressiveness." That's okay. We can have some real aggressiveness. If you're really angry, let's just talk about it, get it out. Mm-hmm. But this passive aggressiveness or trying to tell someone else you got a problem with that person, and we've seen it in families inside the church as well, and, and he was just done with it. And yeah. so he just laid the line down. If you he- see two people talking about the troubles in their marriage, and it, the guy's always going, well, she, and she's always going, well, he, no, 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 tell me about you. Just mm-hmm. you. What could you do better? What could you have said differently? What could you have 
we're all done with this name calling, pushing five year old mentality, right? Yeah, it's it's important that people grow up, but we have no control over it until they're in our lives, and then mm-hmm. we've got to show them. Yeah. This is I talked to uh, Jeff Freeborn about this last night. Like, what makes a great coach? How do you convince? The person that doesn't want to go that extra mile to go that extra mile. How do you mm-hmm. convince the person to want more than what they've already got? Someone with natural skills to hit a baseball out of the park every single time the bat touches the ball. How do you get them to work harder mm-hmm. than what they're doing? Um, and he's like, I don't know. Like, what's the answer? Because it's different for every single person. Yeah, It's so difficult to say that. Like you said, the the warrior with one uh, one move is gonna is you know is the gonna... warrior who knows one way leads himself open to attack. Exactly, yeah. and and as a as a leader in my company and a leader in my church, you're always looking at this, going, "How do I talk to this person or this mm-hmm. group or this kid or whatever?" Yeah. Right, and and as you get older, you get more tools and you get better and better at it, but. Yeah. There's never a one way. No, there isn't. Uh, and it's funny that you mentioned passive aggression because that literally is my kryptonite. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you want something? Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, buddy. Oh, yeah. For everybody listening, <laughs> we got several cans on the table here. Eric now requires yeah, some can... uh, so requires a beverage. Yeah. Um, I think it's also interesting to point out. I'm, I'm going to get back to the passive aggression in a second. Okay. I think it's also important to point out, just because I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts, and I always assume that Eric is some dude that like is some tech genius. Oh. And really, Eric, how old are you? I'm 12. <laughs> <laughs> he is a tech genius. Eric though, is your 12-year-old thing. son who is literally doing all of the tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he knows a lot more than I do, so that's why we hired him. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, passive aggression. Passive aggression is poisonous. And um, I've really, um, I mean, I'm 42 years old and um, uh, I've, I've struggled so bad and continue to struggle with passive aggression uh, because it can literally destroy relationships. And uh, um, you can take somebody from like being your friend to super pissed off in, (laughs) you know, zero to 60 with passive aggression. And sometimes people, sometimes um, uh, there's been a few times uh, uh, people call me out yeah, and they'll say, are you being sarcastic or are you being <laughs> passive aggressive? And I'll say literally, you know, sometimes I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's... But thanks for pointing that out because uh, bottom line is I'm out of line. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And those are the best friends to have. Like if you've got friends that only tell you you're right, that never call you out. If you have yeah. a wife that's just like, yes, dear. Oh yeah, people. That's just patronizing. Like pe- people oh, that awful. people that do nothing but um, validate you. Yeah. Right. Like validate, 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 validate. It's like no. Right. Yeah. That's there's there's almost there's almost no point in that. Um, uh, like validation is important, and everybody needs to be validated. And that's like, I mean, that's even that's getting into a whole different you know topic of like inner child stuff, but. Um, um, validation is super important, but so is pushing and challenging because that's when you're when you're when you're challenging your friends. And I appreciate uh, I appreciate my friends that challenge me more than I appreciate any kind of friendship or relationship that's like, oh, you know, that sounds really tough, or yeah. oh, you know, uh, I, I, oh, I can't imagine what you're going through, uh, that sort of that's thing. Right? So hard. Yeah, I hate that term. Uh, like, because yeah. people say it like it's a bad thing. Yeah, that's. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's a whole different topic. Um, I don't know how much you snooped me, but uh, <laughs> should we go down the list? Well, I'm I'm a father of a medically complex child. That and, was one of them that we looked at. Yeah, too, and when uh, you're so when you're singer. talking about when you're talking about validation and people that will just say that's so hard or yeah. you know I can't imagine what you're going through. Uh, that gets really really annoying <clears throat> to a hospital parent because yeah. you have a choice. Uh, even though you think that you don't have a choice, you still do. Mm-hmm. It's not really much of a choice. But um, we saw this when we were in the NICU. Uh, for for listeners who don't know what a NICU is, a neonatal intensive care unit. That's where he was. You're you're gesturing towards Eric. Yep. How- three three days in. Uh, three days. Yeah. Uh, sorry for actually. Time. You know what? Sorry for laughing. <laughs> no, it's, um, honestly, we don't feel the stress of it as we, I had. I had total faith that everything uh-huh. was going to be fine, and the doctors yeah, knew what they were doing. Um, at Peter Lahey's. At Peter Lahey's. Yeah. We were three months, three months in the NICU because yeah. of how our son was affected. And ten uh, weeks early, he was he was born ten weeks early, and he was yeah. born with a whole bunch of different problems. Uh, but bottom line is, his muscles don't have the same kind of protein structure as everybody else's does. Okay, uh, we've only very recently discovered, like within the past month, um, and only through genetic testing, uh, that. Uh, that that's what affects him. Otherwise, he's been undiagnosed. And it's super rare. There's only nine documented cases on the planet. And, wow. and two of them are, um, are passed away. Yeah. Uh, there's lots more that will be affected like that. They'll, there's probably hundreds, maybe even hundreds of thousands, but nine documented cases yeah. because it's so hard to find. Um, uh, but anyways, um, when when people are trying to support you through that, when friends and family and uh, you know people from church and when and when everybody's trying to support, nobody knows how to do that. Right. The only people that do know is a veteran. The only the only the only people that know are people that have been there. Someone's lived through it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's actually something my wife does right now is she will volunteer at the at the hospital specifically in the NICU, and she will go into those rooms. Uh, of those moms that are in their darkest, darkest hour, when their yeah. life is over, when they can't see the fog through the fog through the fog, yeah. right? When they are staring down the barrel of a dark cave that they have no light in, mm. right? Uh, she's there front and center, uh, reaching through the fog saying, hey, you know what? I see you. I know where you are. Yeah. I've been there. Uh, it does work. There is hope. There yeah. is light. Let me tell you about my story. Let me tell you about how you can survive this. Yeah. And just having that, we have friends that um, they have a daughter the same age as ours. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, uh, well, she's actually nine now. But um, she, um, uh, they, they said that, you know, when they went through their stuff, there was, there was nobody like that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so being, uh, but, but that has to do with what we were talking about, about like either being validated or, you know, being challenged or, you right. know, being uh, the ways that you need help, the way that need, you, you need help on your journey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when people say, oh, that's so hard, right? <laughs> it's like, okay, well, if I can do it, yeah. I am just a human being. I am not supernatural, right? right? I don't have some sort of, you know, genetic disposition of super strength or super integrity or anything like that. You can just, you can choose to do it. Right. Um, So when you're a medical family, uh, the choice I was talking about is, and in the NICU, we would see that, and it's, this is super heartbreaking, is some families will walk away. Just leave the kid there. Yeah, Yeah. And that is just really hard to watch because I, I, I because some that. some people can't do it or some people think that they can't do it right right but you 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 have a choice to either you know um, accept mm. 
um, segue, oh, sorry, segue, tangent is <laughs> uh, the, the night our son was born. Yeah. Uh, it, like when it's 10 weeks early, nothing's ready. You're, you're not, nothing's ready. Right. M- uh, my wife's water broke at 1230. And um, I was doing my best impression of Mario Andretti <laughs> in my F-150 <laughs> on Sony Trail because all the only words that she w- she said is drive, yeah. drive. <laughs> um, the foot didn't leave the pedal. Yeah. I ran every red light. Never got a red light ticket, which makes me wonder if there's somebody that's you know looking at the tickets, going, "Oh, oh, this maybe intersection. Oh, fast, this intersection. You beat the flash. <laughs> maybe, maybe." But um, I, I looked at I looked at my wife, and I could see that she was terrified. Yeah. Uh, and so was I. And I was just like, I just opened my mouth and I said, "Pam, whatever happens tonight is is about acceptance. Yeah. Right. We are, we aren't in control anymore. Yeah." Um, this, whatever happens is about acceptance. And that was kind of, it felt like that was kind of the, the, the theme of our whole journey was acceptance. Um, uh, you really have to advocate for your child, um, when it comes to that, with that kind of journey, but, um, acceptance of, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. Um, uh, you know, let's get to work. Um, what are we, what are we doing next? You know, what step are we taking next? What step are we taking next? What step are we taking next? Yeah. And that's kind of what it's about. It's not about, oh, it's so hard or, you know, oh, you're so strong. I actually had, um, I had one guy, um, that said, uh, and again, people are just trying to be, you know, helpful and nice and supportive or whatever. Right. But it's actually kind of (laughs) really hurtful. Um, they'll, they, they told me, um, you know, um, uh, like you, you have, you have that kind of son because you are his father. Like they're, mm. they're, they're trying to be supportive and saying like, like, you know, that I'm strong, only I could do that. But it comes across as, you, you know, uh, it you com- had something to do with breaking up. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's, it, it comes across as like, I deserve this, you know, yeah. whatever, um, you know, I, child that is, is affected this way. I w- when you were saying that parents walk away, I, I can imagine that being hard, even for the parents that are doing it and everyone watching it. But I sort of understand it. Like when you're not giving the strength, you don't have faith, you don't have any system in your life other than the TV, the radio, your job. Yeah. What tools do you have to deal with it? Yeah, that's right. And that's, and it, it feels like that's a more more of a common thing yeah. uh, in this world. Um, well, look at how many women are walking away from their children. Like I know more single dads than I do single moms. Really? I, I literally do. That's interesting. Um, and, and I talk with these dads, and they're, they're telling me, like, this is hard. I'm like, good. <laughs> Jocko Willink, right? Yeah. That's hard. Good. Yeah. Because you're going to be a better dad. You're going to have better kids, even though you're not in the best situation. Yeah. Because you know it's hard. Because yeah. you have to push through. Because someone asked me, uh, my co-host and the lady that I had on, both been through horrible divorces. And they're like, we'll never get married again. I don't understand why anyone even wants to get married. And I'm like, because I don't have to be on 100% of the time. Like, there's lots of reasons I love my wife. And that's one small one. But when I have a horrible day and I'm not going to be a good Chad, I have a good Nicole. She takes over the reins. She takes care <laughs> of everything. There's nothing better than um, than uh, having that done for you and knowing you get to do that for somebody else, right? <laughs> when your wife is just not the person you married, <laughs> I don't know a better way to describe it, that you can just bug up and go, you know what? I got this today. Go do yeah. whatever you have to do. I got this today. I got this this week, this month, whatever this year, whatever it is. Yeah, right? and it doesn't yeah, matter if you a have a, a sick kid or you're broke or you're dealing with addiction. Stand up. Be that person. Yeah. Take over, and then someone will do it for you. 
Yeah. I guarantee it. Yeah. People don't understand that giving mentality. And, and it's this, this back to people walking away. It's out of selfishness. They don't want to put the work in. They don't want to put the effort in. Yeah, or don't know don't know that they're capable of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's... Uh, uh, like well, it's it's messy when it comes to marriages. Yeah. Um. But um. But it's I I I think that it's not necessarily so much about somebody you know being a hateful person, as opposed to not being aware that they are actually capable of making you know that kind of decision, that kind of commitment, that kind of yeah. you know putting that kind of effort in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that much of an effort, like. We know biblically because well, it is for some people. It is it is for some people that just don't aren't, aren't aware of that. Right? Yeah, um, I think it's really interesting about how uh, it's it's really popular to beat up on um, you know um, uh, uh, on uh, millennials. Yeah, right. Well, millennials now are thirty seven years old or thirty eight or you know thirty nine. Thirties coming yeah, up to their 40s. yeah, they're pushing forty. Yeah, um, but it, it, it's and it's not it's not about beating up on on millennials, right? Like we as Gen Xers, like we caught the flack too when we were <laughs> when we were younger, right? Baby boomers, same thing. Like it's always beating up on the next generation, but it's just because um, as we develop as a society, as we develop as a world, as we become more connected, right? Um, uh, the 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 way that we live changes, yeah. right? Uh, and there there does seem to be quite a quite a um, kind of drive towards selfishness now. Actually, um, <laughs> Mr. Jordan B. Peterson, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, talks about that uh, quite a bit as well. Um, and uh, uh, and yeah, the concept of the concept of giving and you know helping to support people um, uh, is is important. Yeah. Um, part of one of the reasons um, that we connected uh, about uh, me coming on your podcast was um, um, was because I was uh, because of my journey in yeah. the last uh, you know fourteen months or so, uh, and uh, my journey of weight loss. And um, the- I wanted to start where that started. With oh, okay. Because you had uh, what was it called? YYC YYC Burger Review Burger <laughs> Review, right? Yeah. So that yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> I got a buddy that like. He wants to be your right man, man, follow you around, taste all the burgers. Mm-hmm. He's already got the size, so he can keep up. Uh, uh. <laughs> but uh, I was telling him about your journey and, and where he's at, and he was actually quite interested in, in, in listening to the podcast and seeing where you're going, because okay. that's one of his things is he loves eating as well. And and so that you did the YYC Burger uh, yeah, Review. Yeah, YYC Burger Review. Uh, I actually started that when we were in the NICU with oh, our wow. son. And there's actually a few people. Um, there's a few locals. Um uh, that that started blogging um, when they're in the hospital because you're literally just sitting there with your child, yeah. and uh, you don't you don't sleep like as a parent you you pretend yeah. to sleep. I, I used to say, um, if you can sleep and have a dream about sleep, that it's like that's like double sleep. That's before that's before my wife discovered yoga nidra, yeah. right? Where it's like you know you do you do you know thirty minutes or an hour of nidra is like four hours of sleep. Um, <laughs> The uh, so lots of people start things like that, and yeah. yeah, I started writing about burgers in the NICU because people would bring me burgers. Nice, and um, I started talking about how like these burgers made me feel. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, people really appreciated that. The the Marinenci actually started following me. Nice, um, and uh, <laughs> he looks like he's eating a few. Burgers. <laughs> yeah, and he loves burgers, but he's also Muslim. Yeah, so I was the one that told him about like flipping burgers. In well, I shouldn't say I was the one that told him, <laughs> right? But I had suggested to Marinenci that you know you try flipping burgers in Kensington because it's all halal. Nice. Um, you can still get bacon on your burger, but it's beef bacon. 
Okay. Yeah. So you're not crossing any lines. Yeah. Right. And uh, and the burger is actually really solid. Really fantastic. Oh, I gotta give uh, it a go now. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so yeah, people would bring me stuff, and then I would I would kind of write about it. It was mostly on Twitter, and I had a Facebook page. Okay. Facebook pages are just so clumsy, though. They are. Um. And uh, uh, that's before I discovered Instagram. And then, you know, Instagram, you could take a picture and you can, you know, put a couple of filters on it and it actually, like, you know, elicits... Uh, you, you can look at a picture and start salivating. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I was doing YYC Burger Review and then I discovered that there's actually YYC Burger Week. Yeah, yeah. And so I contacted the guy that... Uh, that was organizing it at the time and said, Hey, look, um, I exist. I know my name is really similar. I'm sorry. I, I, uh, you know, very Canadian. I'm sorry. I didn't know you exist. Um, you know, I don't, I don't claim to be affiliated or anything like that. And then what happened was I started being associated with the YYC burger week. And then, um, that changed uh, a few times because, uh, because of what happened with the guy that was first organizing it, which yeah. is why we don't talk about him anymore. <laughs> um, and um, he actually got nabbed here in Airdrie uh, with some, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's, uh, it was really ugly. Like, okay. um, like uh, child luring or something like that. Oh. Yeah. Um, anyways, we don't talk about that guy, even though I just did on your podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we, uh, there was, uh, there was, um, uh, YYC Burger Week, YYC Burger Festival is yeah. um, we um, uh, we we changed stuff to Burger Battle. Oh, nice! And we had a whole different team, uh, and um, uh, we did that for a while too. And it was great because I would handle the media, which yeah. is kind of what we're doing right now. Yeah. I never went on any podcast, but we do radio and TV. Nice. Uh, and uh, we talk about these. Uh, we we would talk about um, uh, the burgers, and uh, you can always get a radio spot. On TV, it's a lot more tricky because yeah. um, it's hard for people to eat on TV. But you you bring a you bring a, a burger to a radio host, and you got yourself a spot every time. Yeah. Right? We have a no eating rule on here because it's really gross on microphones. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But you go to a morning show. Yeah. When there's like two or three hosts. Yeah. And they'll they'll they'll, they'll tag team down. them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. For Beautiful. sure. For sure. So is that um, that where the weight uh, gain came from? I mean, abs- well, the weight gain the weight gain didn't come just from doing YYC Burger Review. Yeah, um, it also came because of my you know where I was mentally and emotionally at the mm-hmm. time. Right, um, my my family, um, my father has eight brothers. Okay, uh, and that's not all of his siblings, but um, it's it's important to note like he has eight brothers, um, and uh, himself, all of his brothers, and pretty much all of their children, except for maybe one or two, yeah. have all struggled with uh, addiction. Okay, uh, and I really tried to avoid that by never ever doing drugs. Yeah. Uh, I've never even smoked weed. Um, I've never done any gateway kind of drugs um, uh, uh, to the point where I will also. Um, uh, I will also decline narcotics uh, if I need like painkillers for my back or whatever. Yep. So no alcohol, no nothing. No, I, I'll I'll uh, I enjoy an occasional drink. Yeah. I actually really really appreciate Islay scotches, single malt. <laughs> you know the really peaty, smoky tasting. Yeah, I, I haven't like got that. into scotches yet, but I got a friend that's trying to talk me into. Uh, she does a whole taste testing. Uh, and oh, it's dangerous. Connoisseur type yeah. thing. Yeah, once you go to one taste testing and you realize like how good these are. Yeah. Right then, yeah, yeah. Um, I could do it with rum. So, so yeah, well, so I appreciate I appreciate a drink. Yeah. Um, 
but I just really, really tried to stay away from that. But addiction still got me, and it was food. It was food 100%. Yeah. And all of those markers that addiction f- feeds, you know, which is, you know, uh, uh, you know emotional. Um, you know, I used food for escape, for validation. I used it for reward. I used it as a penalty, too, right? Yeah. Um, well, you uh, get rewarded for it, right? Like, oh, yep. look at I ate this big burger, or I did. Yeah, know. but there's also a um, really, really, really good friend of mine who's the organizer of Sask Expo, Mike Fisher. Um, he, uh, him, and I—we've been friends for so long, and um, I never had a brother. Yeah. Um, and if I did, it like Mike is be, Mike yeah. is like my brother. Yeah. And um, uh, he 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 struggled yeah in the same way. And still struggles. Like it's when you when you have an addiction, it doesn't leave. It's you're either recovering or you're yep. you know you're active in it. Um, uh, and he had uh, he had some he had some really interesting perspectives on it. It's like um, it, it it ends up being uh, it ends up being a penalty as well, right? Like it's like you know you have five days of good eating and you know you've you've uh, done something active and that sort of thing, right? And then you go hit McDonald's because you need to reinforce that you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Right. And that like you need to reinforce. No, you know what? Yeah, this is. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm not worthy of of doing those things either. Right. So. um, So, yeah, it becomes uh, it it becomes all of those things. Right. And uh, I had to really I had to really face that. And I mean, the first step is. So what was that self-evaluation thing like? Like, how did you how did you understand that that was the problem? Um. Probably, uh, uh, I, I, well, I understood it for, for a while. I'm okay. pretty good self awareness. Good, um, but, uh, and I, w- I, w- I started to joke about it because you know passive aggressive. So uh, I would joke about like you know no I get it. Uh, uh, I've talked to other tradesmen you know and uh, you know uh, addiction is rampart in the trades as well. Yeah. Um, so I talked to somebody that just comes out of spin dry or just comes out of rehab or whatever. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I get it. I'm addicted to cheeseburgers. Right. And, um, you know, everybody thinks that's funny and whatnot. And I would joke about it like it's funny, but it's actually like, that's a, that was, that's a real thing. It's a real thing. Right. And, um, uh, uh, but I would associate it the same way. And it sounded funny because it's food. And actually when you start researching it, overcoming a food addiction is actually a lot more difficult than overcoming drugs or alcohol because you you have to eat. Well, you know about the bacteria in your stomach, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So you 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 feed the the cheeseburger bacteria, mm-hmm. and it just screams at you. Mine's chocolate. I have a oh, piece yeah. of chocolate, and it just goes, "Go get another one. Go yeah. get another one. Yeah. Go get another one." And it's nonstop. So as much as you get that emotional reward or the emotional punishment or whatever it is that fires you up, to eat, you also have the chemical inside you yeah. going, "Hey, go do this again." Yeah. Which is similar with cocaine or meth or whatever. There's there's a mm-hmm. chemical addiction as well, and there's the emotional addiction. Like you were saying, they're all very, very similar. Yeah. But you have to eat. You don't have to do coke. Exactly. Exactly. You have to eat. So uh, uh, um, I started on my journey just doing really silly stuff like, you know, thinking, oh, you know, well, if I'm not, I'm not very active because at that time I was, um, I was a project manager. So I wasn't on the tools ever. Yeah. Um, and so I was mostly sitting at a desk, you know, using AutoCAD on the phone. I'd, you know, visit sites and, you know, go to meetings and do some sales and whatnot, but there was nothing any physical. Yeah. So I, th- I started thinking, hey, you know what, if I just start, do, you know, moving my body, um, then, uh, you know, this will, you know, get this going. But again, what happens is you move your body and your body tells you you need more fuel. 
Yeah. Right? I got a buddy, the only reason he exercises is so he can eat more. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. A big guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, and so that, that didn't, that didn't bid well. And I never weighed myself at the heaviest because it wasn't like, uh, like it wasn't, uh, for me, the change wasn't something that was like, you know, I'm going to change. I'm going to, you know, um, do this before and after it's going to be a huge thing. I'm going to have all this accountability or whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. Um, for me it was, okay, I'm a fat piece of shit. And, um, I need to change that and, um, I need to change that today. And, you know, uh, when you're, when you're, you know, an obese person that, you know, doesn't like your body, you don't take pictures <laughs> in the mirror. You don't, you know, you know, there's one of you online given yeah. the cameraman a bird. Yeah, there is because, uh, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the cameraman was my wife. Okay. Um, the, uh, um, so yeah, any, any before and after pictures that I have are, are either action shots or candid shots or whatever, right? There's no, yeah. there's no big Heath posing for a before picture. Right. Um, and the same thing with weighing, like I wasn't interested in knowing how much I weighed. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I started going to Orange Theory, which is what my wife prompted me to do, um, September of last year, yeah. they had a fall transformation challenge yep. and the transformation was basically, um, uh, percentage of weight loss. Okay. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't know, Pam, like, it, you know, it sounds like, it sounds like, sounds like anything else or whatever, right? It's just but, a gig. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, exactly. But the kicker was, she told me that there's a $500 prize mm. for the person that, you know, is the most. I was like, you know what? In two months, just given the how my body was, I was like, I don't know, I might have a shot at that. Yeah. You know, and if, it, if there's something like an end goal like that, uh, that's a lot of motivation. Yeah. And so, uh, started going orange theory and, um, then I had to weigh in and then I had to like face what, <laughs> what, what weight I was. And yeah. I knew that I was already down. Yeah. Um, because I could, I could tell just by the way my clothes were fitting and whatnot. Right. And, um, uh, but when I weighed in that first day at orange theory, I was 258 pounds. Yeah. Um, now I, I had seen a scale some somewhere in the summertime that was you know two sixty five or something like that, but when I started Orange Theory, I was um, I was two fifty eight, yeah. and that's on their scale. Um, and so um, did the fall transformation challenge. Um, started going uh, because of uh, because of that, because of how I, where I was mentally, and and honestly because of the relationship with my wife at the time as well. Yeah. I actually came out of that first session and I looked my wife straight in the face and I said, "I would rather be divorced than do that again." <laughs> <laughs> what and the not coach, to say to your wife? And the coach and the coach heard me. Oh wow! The, co- the the coach also heard me. Peggy Cave. I called her Smiling Peggy. Yeah, actually, is she the, the shorter, thinner, dark haired girl? Um, I don't know. That okay. doesn't really narrow it down when They're you're talking about that. Orange yeah. Theory coaches. There's, There's a picture of you holding a sign, uh-huh. um, and I think one of the coaches is in there from Orange Theory. Is that the one? It's quite possible. Okay. I quite think possible. I, I if, think if, I it's, if it's one of the most recent photos, then yeah. yes, that's Peggy. Because okay. um, uh, I had to. Uh, I recently lost my job in yeah. the summertime. This this past summer, lost my job, and um, the. Uh, um, uh, I, so we had to. We we also had to. You know, talk about cost cutting at home and that sort of thing. And the and the Orange Theory memberships had to go. Yeah. And I posted about my last day, and I made sure that my last class was with Smiling Peggy, who was my first coach. Nice. Um, and that is a woman who will support your transformation 
um, wholeheartedly. They're awesome. I mean, most coaches there. will. Most coaches will. But that that woman was really special, and uh, uh, she was also the first one that um, you know after after like a while, um, six weeks or so, um, running on the treadmill, and she she came up and uh, she came up and said, uh, "Why are you walking?" <laughs> Why are you walking on the treadmill? She said, you don't need to do that anymore, Heath. Yeah. You don't need to do that. You can run the whole time. You know, if you need to adjust the speed so that you're just doing, you know, a, kind of a, a jog, yeah. then adjust it. But you do not need to walk. And I stopped walking on the treadmill. I just, nice. uh, you know, um, there was another coach there, um, um, Ashley. Uh, I, I like to call her Smashley. <laughs> Hulk Smashley. Um <laughs> She uh, she would push me to to uh, to lift more weight. Um, the head coach at uh, Creekside Orange Theory is named uh, Ronnie, yeah. and I call her Hardcore Ronnie. <laughs> um, she's coached over five thousand classes. Wow. Um, she competes in uh, she competes in uh, fitness competitions. Yeah. Um, any obstacle race that happens in the city, she's taking selfies. You know, she organizes a, a, a run group as well. There. And the good yeah, insane, you have to right? Be a little bit insane, right? I, I want I want to, I want to um, bring you she, back a little bit. Oh yeah, okay. Sorry to cut you off, but we were talking about goals earlier. Yes. And, and one of the things for me, uh, and you've probably heard me say this, is my goal is longevity. I, yeah. I want to live as long as healthy as I can, yep. but I'd like to know what your goal is. So interesting. Um, so I, I I started this because of where I was mentally, because of where I was physically, and because of like my relationship with my wife. Yeah. Um, after about two weeks of going to the gym, um, because part of the transformation challenge, you had to go minimum three times a week. Yeah. And I decided I was going to go minimum four times a week. So I was going between four and five times a week to Orange Theory. And it's intense. It's high intensity interval training. Done it. Um, it's you've good. done it. Yep. I went and did the free classes. Uh, I won something. And so I went and did right. the And you won a free week and you did the week? Yep. Yeah. I always tell people, do the, do the whole week first before you sign up. Yeah. Don't sign up after the first one. Um, uh, but after after a couple of weeks, I was like, there is no way, there is no way that I can do this for my wife. Yeah. There is no way that I can do this because I'm sad, right? <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. Yeah. I have to do this because I have to do this for me. Yeah. I have to do this for me. I have to do this because I love myself and yeah. because I love my children and want them to, you know, want to see them graduate and I want to, you know, grandchildren, great grandchildren. Absolutely. I have to, I have to do this for me. And, um, and then I, then I started changing totally. And uh, that's when I really started posting a lot on Instagram. Uh, and because, um, just like I was posting YYC burger review, you know, and you get, um, you get people that follow that. And, um, uh, when you get, when you get people that are, you know, messaging you about like, you know, how your posts affect them. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's really, well, it's validating for one thing, but it's also, uh, like when I started doing it, um, because of my fitness journey, um, people were saying like, like this has changed the way that I've looked at myself. Yeah. And that's why I kept doing it. Yeah. Um, uh, because I knew that the validation part of it was the selfish part, but people would literally message and say like, look, you know what? Um, I started, I started doing, you know, more activity. Yeah. Um, there's actually quite a few people that, um, said that they, that they actually started going specifically to Orange Theory, um, because of the way that I was posting, which is why, <laughs> which is why now, um, we're back. My wife and I are both back at Orange Theory. Nice. And it's because, uh, the owner of, uh, Airdrie and Creekside, um, wanted to offer me, um, uh, uh, an ambassadorship 
Oh, beautiful. And it's because of those posts, because yeah. of, uh, because of the, of the, of the work that's happened, uh, like that. Um, Anyways, I started writing about the struggle. I, I st- because w- when you're reading about somebody's fitness journey, there's always a before and after, and it's like you know if I could do it, you can do it, yeah. that sort of thing, right? But I was like, it's just a lot of hoorah. Yeah, there is, and that's important. And some people can get there based on that, right? But I was raw with the way that I posted, uh, and uh, I would say, uh, you know what? It was rough today, and I actually, you know, um, I, I I hit a PR. Uh, I wasn't in a good place, and I cried like a baby, right? Yeah. Uh, and here I am, 42 years old, right? Um, hunter, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I drive a truck. I'm an Alberta tradesman talking about, you know, this broke me, and I cried. Yeah. Um, uh, just doing the, the those things should break you though. That's the absolutely thing, right. If it's not, absolutely. then it's, there's no value. Absolutely, in it. Uh, something uh, in order to change. In, in order to change, like uh, change has to have the power to destroy you. Yes, because if it doesn't, it doesn't change you. Right, right. It's going through the fire, right? It's that's, burning off all the bad stuff so the new stuff can ab- grow. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So that's what I would post about. Is uh, you know what uh, I've been doing good about my food, and today. Um, I, you know, had this many more calories. Um, uh, I think that's a big mistake people make with food. Um, not to cut you off, but people are very calorie focused as I was when I did my weight Mm -hmm. loss. And my wife is like, just worry about nutrition. Just feed your body the stuff that it needs, the fuel, right? You don't give, um, gasoline to your dog and you don't give chicken to your car, right? Right. You give the proper fuel for what it needs. And I think if people concentrated more on that, we have, uh, hormones in our body called ghrelin and lectin. You know about these, right? When you're hungry, ghrelin tells you you're hungry. Lectin tells you you're full. Um, if you feed it real food, get your gut in a good, healthy way, you can't overeat. I mean, there's this, the people that can, that, that are, are really ill and, and they need help. Uh, um, but for the most part, your body, if you treat it properly, will start doing all the regular things it's supposed to do. And all of a sudden, you can't overeat. Right. All it wants is nutrition. Right. Yeah. And sustainable. Yes. Be sustainable in it. Uh, one guy that I follow um, uh, and uh, kind of really changed the way that I approached food is uh, Lane Norton. Hmm. He's a power lifter. And he is a PhD in nutritional science. Nice. Um, he gets a little profane sometimes <laughs> when people are when when he's a lot, a lot of what he does is he'll call out people for, you know, for for BS like uh, you know when people are talking about how you know uh, keto is the be be all and end all of diets yeah. or whatever right and he'll say yes keto has a lot of benefits no it can't cure cancer like don't don't tell yourself it can right right um, it might have it could yeah. for somebody but it's not the norm yeah and that sort of thing and um, uh, and he has no problems you know going toe to toe he'll 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 podcast will you know have him call in. Uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, there'll be some sort of like, you know, carnivore guy or whatever on there. Right. And they'll go back and forth and he's actually really good at being, uh, factual and respectful, but he's also pretty good saying, no, no, that's, that's BS. Right. Um, and, uh, following that guy kind of really changed the way that I approached food. And another guy that I follow, um, is Todd Durkin. Um, Todd Durkin is a coach and I actually discovered him. Uh, through my daughter, my daughter was, um, uh, because once I started getting more oriented into fitness, um, she would want to like do stuff with, with mom and with dad at home. How old is she? 
She's eight. Nice. Uh, and uh, she on on Netflix, she found a series called Strong. It was one series. Okay. Uh, so uh, executive producer is Sylvester Stallone. Nice. And all he does, the this. all he does is the f- first intro of the first episode, and that's it. <laughs> and he talks about he's like, now strong has become the new skinny, right? And, uh, and um, uh, it's it's basically um, ladies who want to change themselves, and then they have these coaches, and they and they have these coaches from all over uh, all over America. Yeah. Uh, but one of them was Todd Durkin, and he approached his he approached his coaching with "Get your mind right first. Nice. Uh, and um, his uh, he's a man of faith as well, um, excellent coach, and he's he's bent on get your mind right first, and yeah. um, uh, and that's really really the key, because if you can do that, and if you can hold yourself accountable, and if you can decide to make a change, then you can take a little step today, right. and you can take a little step tomorrow. And you can take a little step the day after that, right? Because it's about the long game. It's not about instant gratification. Yeah. It's about the long game, any kind of physical, any kind of transformation that you do. So what was the mental change for you? Like, what were you prior to where you are now? It was that moment of, uh, I have to do this for me. So yeah. um, uh, uh, a bit of it was uh, self-worth, for one thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, the way I grew up. And, um, and, uh, not that I grew up being told that I was unworthy, but I always grew up putting myself completely last and taking care of everybody around me and realized that, you know, like I, I can't take care of anybody (laughs) if I don't take care of me. It's Jordan Peterson, right? Do first what's right for you, (laughs) but not only right for you, it's got to be right for you and your family and the community and the world. And how much flack has the guy caught for that, right? Yeah, and he struggles too. He's just a dude that has some knowledge in an area that's super beneficial to Mm -hmm. people, Mm -hmm. and now he's uh, in rehab. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Right. He he was taking medicine because uh, his wife was sick and he couldn't handle it. And mm-hmm. now he couldn't get off of it. So he yeah. doesn't take away from his knowledge, doesn't take away from no. how much he wanted to give or the rules. It just it was a guy that was struggling. And yeah. this is part of everyone's struggle. Yeah, we all struggle. Yeah. We all struggle. And it's, and it's uh, you know, the way that we... The way that we struggle. It's not even the way that we overcome those struggles. It's yeah. the way that we struggle right. that changes us and molds us. And we can either let it destroy us, we can either let it consume us, yeah. or we can take it by the balls and you know and uh, and make it work for us. So what was? Where did the self worth come in? So where, like you said before, you just didn't have the same self worth self worth that you do now. So what was the the changing factor? What were the voices in your head or the mantra that you used or whatever? Uh, it's, 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 it's really interesting. Um, the, I, I started doing it actually um, uh, in the way that I approached business. Uh, and before I started the fitness journey is uh, if I was going into, uh, you know, um, a walkthrough or, uh, or a sale or, or somewhere where I was going to be put in a competition position with a different company, uh, I would sit in my truck or I would say on the way there, I would turn off the radio and I would just say, I deserve this. Yeah. Uh, I am worthy of this. Uh, I can do this. Yeah. Uh, it's my time. I will achieve this. Yeah. Uh, and I just kind of kept repeating that over and over. And I actually got quite, quite a few sales doing that. Uh, quite a, uh, it's and, amazing. And a, and a few contracts. Yeah. What you say with your mouth. And you believe with your heart, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and not a lot of people like this is a Tony Robbins or uh, that's not that's from Romans, or, right? But yeah. that everyone steals it. But it's yeah. true. Uh, yeah. Whatever that you, whatever those 
words that come off your lips that you believe in your heart will be true. Because yeah. if you believe well, you're not worthy, you won't be worthy. And if we're going there, and, and if we're going there, because I know this podcast isn't a preachy one, and I'm not going to be preachy either, but um, <laughs> uh, if you're going there, um, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through he, uh, through him who gives me strength. Yeah. Uh, that is a scripture that is important, but it's taken out of context so much. Uh, I don't know if you remember... Um, the fight between Evander Holyfield and uh, Mike Tyson, where yep. was uh, your bit off? Yeah, uh, yep. no, the one before that, oh, okay. the one where Evander took the t- uh, took the title from Mike Tyson. Yeah, um, since we've you know been talking about pugilism a little bit here, <laughs> uh, he had inscribed on his robe he had Philippians four thirteen, and that happened to be when I was also in Bible college. Okay, and people went nuts, and I was like, I don't know, man. Like if you look at that scripture, it's not about. Uh, like Paul was in prison for one thing, right? Yeah. And whether you believe, you know, the the Bible's you know fiction or whatever, it, that that doesn't matter. the the premise The premise of the whole thing is I can do all things through Him who gives you strength. So it's through whatever wherever you draw that strength from. Yeah. And when he was talking about that, he wasn't talking about like playing in the NBA. He wasn't talking about like you know, um, you know, being able to you know achieve flight as a human being. Or that's not what he's talking about. He's in prison, yeah. and he was talking about how. You know, his life started. Um, his life started by persecuting Christians, and 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 that's a fancy Christianese word for murdering, like yeah, yeah. murdering, <laughs> right? Finding, hunting them down, and murdering them, yeah. right? Uh, and then converted on the road to Damascus, and right. then became a minister. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and he was talking about how he can be satisfied, he can be content, he can he can endure where he is because of where he draws his strength from. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the important part to remember. Um, uh, that that's where that that piece becomes uh, an important part of philosophy is as long as we can draw strength and that strength can be from ourselves too um, as long as we can you know uh, as long as we can draw our strength and have that fuel us and validate us and energize us that in uh, in the ways that we need we can we can literally endure anything yeah I agree. Yeah. Uh, wholeheartedly, the John Jones has Philippians 4.13 uh, tattooed on his chest yeah. as one other UFC fighter, one other fighter with that. And and you do need to pull strength from something. We talk, we facilitate the Dave Ramsey Financial Freedom, Financial Peace course. Oh, yeah. And uh, people come in like, well, does this really work? Four and a half million people that work for it. Yeah. I, I don't care what financial system you use. I, I'm sure there's... 50 of them, maybe 50,000 of them out there that work. Just pick one and do it. Yeah. You know, if your system is Christianity, if your system is whatever, just get in wholeheartedly and do it because yeah. they work. The the systems work. Yeah, our journey in the NICU, um, we share we share our story all the time now. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, we'll share that for the Alberta Children's Foundation. Actually, we have, uh, there's an event coming up this weekend for the Children's Wish Foundation because we're also a wish family. We'll be speaking in as well. And um, one of the things that I say most of the time when we're speaking, depending on what content they are looking for, is that there's no there's no Christians in the NICU, and there's right. no Hindus, and there's no Muslims, and there's no just families. There's there's no there's only people that are clinging to hope. Right. It is a it is a um, uh, and whatever system of hope they can find. Yeah. Right. Um, so when it comes down to the nitty gritty, right, that's that's what's left. Yeah. You know, faith, hope, love. Yeah. Those things, right. That's what's left. It's it's the basic principles of life. Is yeah. That's that's what everyone needs to pull from, right? Twelve rules of life. You mm-hmm. go to the Bible. 
uh, Jordan Peterson does a great breakdown of the five um, um, books of the Bible, the the first five books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's it's outstanding to listen to because it takes all the hokiness out of those stories. It takes all the well, the first five. You're talking about like the first five books of the Old Testament. Yeah, like law and history. Yeah, yeah, those are real snoozers. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> tough to swallow sometimes uh-huh. for even the most well-read Christian. I can. Yeah. Uh, you don't hear a lot of pastors talking about. Uh, <laughs> Uh, numbers and no. <laughs> right, no. and he be God who and yeah. and yeah, so he he does a great breakdown of those in a way that shows what they were meant to be, and it's like these principles of life that we're all supposed to follow, mm-hmm. and a majority of the world does, whether you call yourself a Hindu or a Muslim or uh, Judaism, we all follow these these basic principles, and yeah. the um, and they're all good people. Like it's mm-hmm. it's the basis of life. Yeah, it's all based on don't be an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Really, it's, really close it, to that, right? It's and, based and, on don't be an asshole. And what can you do for others? Yeah, right. The the more you give, the more you get. The the um, cleaner you are to what you believe, the the less problems you have in life. Like yeah. it, it just it's. Don't be yeah. an asshole. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> be nice to people. Yeah. And I actually, like, if we're talking about books, um, I haven't read it yet. Uh, I've, uh, 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 and I'm just about to dive into it, but it's uh, uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willick. Okay. Um, and it's kind of become standard dichotomy reading of uh, leadership at this yeah. point. Um, but uh, I like, I like the, the, the clips and the excerpts that I have read uh, because that's more me. Um, I've always owned absolutely everything. And sometimes that's gotten me into trouble. Yeah. Um, sometimes uh, at work that's uh, that's gotten me disciplined. Yeah. Um, I've lost jobs because of that as well. But I will say, you know, no, 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 no. I ab- I absolutely did that. Or I would say, uh, you know, I would say, yeah, this person made a mistake, but he was following my instructions. He was doing he was doing it exactly as I told him to do it. Yeah. Um, so that's on me. Yeah. Right. So um, I I like that idea of extreme ownership on everything. I hundred percent do too, and I'm the same thing. It, whether it's at church, at home, if it's my issue, and and this is going to sound chauvinistic, but as the man of my house and and the leader at work, it is my issue. Every single one. Yeah, of ownership. What yeah. was what was my part in it? Yeah. Right. And if I look at that and I come home and everyone's grumpy, I'm like. All right. How did I leave the house? What did I do? What did I not do? Let's start with that. Yeah. And then as soon as you take ownership over that, like everyone calm down. I'm going to help out here. This is my part. And then people just follow in suit. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier. Yeah. 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 And and that, that carries on into any relationship that you have. Yeah. Yeah. So now you've uh, finished the Orange Theory thing. Uh, well, you, you had stopped it for a while and you're back at yeah. it again. You're uh, on the weight loss journey. You're, mm-hmm. you're changing your food. You're uh, hunting uh, regularly. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm super excited because I got my pal this year. Oh, yeah. I bought a couple of guns. I bought a semi-automatic twenty two for Eric. Uh, my dad gave me a shotgun and then I bought a thirty odd six. Because I want to learn to shoot animals to feed yeah, my family. Yeah, and if you have a thirty out six, that's literally you can take down anything in North America that you need to. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't shoot a rabbit; it won't work out. Uh, you can definitely <laughs> take out a rabbit. You're not going to eat anything on that rabbit. Exactly. You might not find the rabbit, but you can definitely shoot the rabbit. You could you also shoot a gopher with a thirty out six too, but I'll, I would not know why. The whole yeah, yeah, um, the, I, the 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 the. the the cartridge is worth more than the gopher at that point. So, yeah. I, uh, so I, everything came in later than I want to this year. So I'm not actually going to hunt this year, but I have a friend going out and, uh, um, he's been out a couple of times now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with him. 
uh, be part of the hunt, help him pack the meat out, maybe try to cut up the animal or uh, dress the animal myself, cut it up. That's not what you do. That's actually, that's actually the part that I really like. You like that? Yeah, yeah. I do. Um, my father is half Chinese and half Lakota Sioux, yeah. and it really, really makes me feel attached to my ancestors when I can, when I can hunt, and uh, especially when. Um, uh, when I can process an animal, yeah, um, because that's uh, like especially with bow hunting. Um, bow hunting is so much more intimate, yeah, uh, and really a, a, a lot level, lot different level of difficulty than uh, hunting with a rifle because you're not 200 or 300 yards away. Yeah, um, you have to you have to be close enough that you can you can smell the animal. Yeah, yeah. You, you're hunting with all of your senses. Yeah, um, and I've actually I've I've actually talked about how. Uh, bow hunting can be meditative. Yeah. I've never heard Cam Haynes say this, and he is, you know, he did he, actually. Oh, okay. Well, very I missed last that part. podcast I with that Joe part. Rogan. They talked about because Joe dropped an elk from sixty-seven yards. Yeah, that's a long shot with a bow. Yes, it is, yeah. and it's it's. Um, uh, I talk about it being meditative, uh, as in most meditation is kind of shutting off everything around you, so you can just be in your mind. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas with bow hunting, it's the opposite where it's, you, you literally shut off your brain yeah. and you are in the moment and you are hunting with all of your senses. Yeah. Right. And, um, when you, when you see an animal, you know, for that 67 yard shot or whatever, right. I wouldn't, I would never take a shot. I would never take a shot over 40, but that's just because of my comfort level of where I'm at. Um, the, uh, but, uh, like you, you're hyper-focused in on the animal and, um, uh, a guy that is a 20 year, um, bow hunter that's, uh, that's, uh, my hunting partner that's teaching me about bow hunting. Uh, we were out for moose and, um, uh, earlier this year. And, um, he said, uh, when you're looking at a moose, he said, look at a tuft of hair, hmm. like look at a tuft of hair yeah. and picture that tuft of hair, but, it, but envision behind it a beating heart. Yeah. Um, and he said, especially when you're in a tree stand, cause you're in an elevated level. Yeah. So he said, you can't just, you can't just think about the standard, you know, you've seen it on a page where it's like, you know, <laughs> with an X, this is where the kill spot yeah. is because if you're elevated, it's different. Yeah. So you have to, you have to think about that, you know, beating heart inside of the animal. Uh, and that's how, that's how you honor the animal. Like you train and train and train and train and train. Um, yeah. Cam Haynes is a good example of lift, run, shoot. Like he does that every day. Yeah. He's shooting every day. Yeah. Runs um, a marathon and shoots every day. Yeah. 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 Which is a little extreme. Um, <laughs> but I, um, I try to shoot as often as possible. Yeah. Um, you're not supposed to shoot your bow in anywhere, you know, in the city. Yeah. So you have to get out and do it. Um, the, uh, um, but you train so that you can, so that you can honor that animal. Yeah. Uh, there's actually one coach at, uh, uh, Orange Theory, um, Rachel, Joy Olson, and she's a vegan chef. Oh, wow. And she's all about her, um, uh, uh, she's all about, um, loving animals and for the sake of the animals and whatnot. And her and I actually get along really great. Yeah. And she understands hunters. Yeah. Um, and, um, she understands that, uh, you know, that an animal that's in its natural habitat, like an elk or, um, or, um, any kind of ungulate that you hunt, uh, dies by either starvation or being torn apart by a predator or, um, uh, or disease. Go to nature is metal and watch what happens. (laughs) That'll change your mind about, uh, boat hunting. Yeah. And so when you're, when you're bow hunting, um, uh, when you're bow hunting specifically, that animal actually, uh, that actually, uh, that animal will die faster than any bullet will take it either. Oh, yeah. Um, because... Wolf don't care what you feel like. No, no, no. There's no uh, animals don't have any compassion. No. Uh, the, um, 
when you're when you're bow hunting, you're 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 putting like you know an inch, uh, one inch or an inch and a half by an inch or an inch and a half, you know, razor blade cavity yeah. through their body, right? And um and it takes them really fast, yeah. And um, most uh, I within seconds. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, and easy to track as well. Yeah. And then it comes down to um and then it comes down to honoring the animal after that. Yeah. Whenever whenever an animal dies, and this this has to do with my culture, and my history. Um, even though this is an Athabascan, this is native Athabascan word, but I always, I always approach the animal, put my hand on it, and just say "anabase de nahato," which is you know, thank you, thank you for for your sacrifice. That's in Lakota. What's that? That's in Lakota. No, that's native Athabascan. Okay, that's native Athabascan. But I, I, I do that whenever, whenever an animal's dead. Wife... I do that. I also do that. Um, uh, I'll, like I did that a few weeks ago when my when my friend Adam. Um, took his moose. Yeah. Um, before we had, before we processed it very much, I, I, I approached the animal and honored the animal in that way as well. I'm pretty sure that's the exact words my wife's cousin uses, Tara. Uh, she was on the podcast a little while ago talking uh-huh. about it as well. I don't know, a few episodes ago, 20 episodes ago. Anyways, she, I didn't know that she was an avid hunter. She's, she's a gun hunter right now. She, <laughs> I think she'll eventually go to bow, which I hope to as well. I want to, Make sure I can dress the animal uh, that I can honor it the way it's supposed to be honored. Uh, but I hear all these hunters talking about it, and it's so amazing to me to 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 be part of that. Like we're very into our food. Uh, what we and we don't eat perfect. We don't eat, um, you know, we're not vegan or vegetarian. We just eat whole foods. Mm-hmm. Thanks, buddy. Um, but food is very, very important to us. So making sure that we're, we know where it comes from, that we take care of it, that we don't waste any of it, I feel the same thing about hunting. So yeah. I want to do it with a gun first to make sure that I can do it well, kill, and then I actually have the time to practice. It doesn't take a ton of practice to shoot a gun. Um, you get uh, a good scope. You'd probably be surprised. You'd probably be surprised. Lots of people say, oh, yeah, no, I just shoot a couple of shots or whatever, right? But it's still, especially if you're a novice, it still takes discipline. You still have to breathe in a certain way. You still yeah. have to know what's in your sight picture. Yeah. Um, some people prefer to shoot with one eye closed. Um, lots of people shoot with both eyes open. Yeah. You know, it's a whole, it's 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 something the it's buddy, a the, process. The buddy is teaching me, he's a, he shoots in competitions, not world-class or anything, but he takes it very, very seriously. And so I've got a great teacher for me, so I'll do that. And then next, uh, I've shot bow quite a bit, mm-hmm. uh, but not for probably 15 years. And so when I shot bow, I could, you know, 50 yards, 45 yards, like with three in both sides of a baseball okay. uh, or a softball. So I, I, I can shoot decently with it. Now and then, no pressure, no animal. <laughs> that is the difference when you're in the bush. Uh, absolutely, right? Yeah. And and I think, in my mind, doing the uh, shooting with a rifle first and getting good at doing that and then stepping my game up, if I have the ability to step my game up, then I will. Yeah. Um, something that's difficult to train for, too, is uh, the buck fever. Um, as soon as you see an animal, your, your heart rate elevates oh. and, uh, you know, um, yeah. but there's, uh, there's lots of, there's, again, there's lots of people to follow for training uh, like that too. Pat McNamara actually is, uh, um, uh, um, why do I know that name? Uh, he's a, he's a, he's an ex special forces guy too, that okay. does, uh, that does uh, combat training yeah. for civilians in America's in, okay. in, in the States because Americans are so hell bent on everybody having some sort of combat <laughs> training. Um, and, uh, he'll have people work out on, on the, uh, on the uh, um, uh, on the range, okay. Uh, work out and then shoot, okay. Um, so that you know your heart rate's elevated. Yeah. Um, uh, police police do that too, where yeah. they'll you know they'll jog and then they'll shoot and that sort of thing. And so I I trained a little bit like that in the summertime, where cool. I would 
I'd run or I would do some pull-ups or push-ups or whatever, right, and then shoot my bow just so I could, you know, shoot it with an elevated heart rate. Yeah. So it's good to, um, uh, just like a warrior who knows only one way, gets himself <laughs> open to attack. There's also, um, uh, there's also, and it's it's a military concept of you don't want to be doing something for the first time right. when your life depends on it, or you, or when it really counts, right? Right, exactly. So, yeah, it's that's sort of what I was thinking things. about in the beginning. Like there, there are some things that you do need to be, you know, super diligent in, right? Like when you shoot yeah. your bow, you have to do it the exact same way every yeah. time, right? The placement of your thumb, the placement of yeah. you know your shoulders, how you how you flex everything. Mm-hmm. Is is um, yeah. has to be the exact same. Yeah, I trained. I trained actually doing stage combat. Uh, I, I won't get into that, but um, uh, uh, doing a strange combat with uh, 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 Fight Directors Canada, and one of the instructors, uh, Aiden Young, who's a local um, stunt coordinator. Yeah, um, he said, "Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice." makes perfect, right? <laughs> exactly. Because it's about muscle memory. Yeah. So, yeah, you have to practice until you get it right. Um, one and, of the things we were taught in martial arts... And then practice it a whole bunch more times. One of the things in martial arts that we were taught is you don't do it till you get it right. You do it till you can't get it wrong. Yeah. Just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And drillers yeah. are killers. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why even... So I'm coming back to a subject again that I know nothing about. Um, <laughs> that's why in jiu-jitsu, people, are, people will, will talk about, like, you know, um, you can't... Like, you have to keep your skills sharp. Yeah. In those disciplines as well, right? So ridiculous. You take, for me, it's been quite a while off. I went and rolled at uh, Creed um, here in town. Mm -hmm. I was trying to get Brian Bird on the podcast, which is still trying to get him on. He's awesome. Uh, Just super busy. But I... To, to get to know him better. I went down to his club and rolled and there's UFC guys down there rolling and and like, you know, these 60-year-old Indonesian guys that weigh 130 pounds and they're tossing you around. Oh, yeah, and they're wrapping you there's up like a taco. There's nothing you can uh-huh. do to these guys and they, they don't even, they're not even mean to you. They won't even do anything to you. Yeah. But just the fact that there's zero I can do. Like, zero in in a real fight it was a complete loss mm-hmm. you walk out of there just going oh, i need to drill more i need to drill more mm-hmm. that's all i've done just done it for years and years and years yeah 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 um that's how that works have we got everything eric's checking off the list to make <laughs> sure that we've gotten to, ding ding uh, ding 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 venue tech hunting mutual friends martial arts long-term goals short-term <laughs> goals yeah, well, the long-term goal is ab- absolute longevity, but also to make sure that I pass that on to the next generation. Yeah, so um, important. One thing about being from a Native family is, uh, you know, being self-aware about uh, generational, I'll just say issues, Yeah. right? Um, and so um, uh, I want to make sure that I protect my kids from that. Not just protect them, actually not even really protect them. I actually, I mean, I, I, wrote a, uh, I wrote a post just before the weekend about like... <sighs> Uh, how I've kind of like given up trying to be perfect yeah. or trying to be, you know, the, 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 the best parent possible and, um, switch more to just helping my children navigate life yeah. and, uh, making sure that I stay in a position where they respect me enough that, um, and, uh, know that I love them enough and there's mutual love enough that they trust me yeah. uh, and that I can help guide them through this life because life is the real teacher. I'm trying to think right? of what the... There was a phrase by uh, Peterson again talking about, do you want strong children 
Now I can't think of it right now. It was brilliant. Anyways, being that you want them to be problem solvers. Yeah. You want them. You don't mm-hmm. want to solve all their problems. That's right. You don't want to be their wall of armor, even though you have to be sometimes. Yeah, that's right. You want them to, to be able to stand up to the bully and solve the problem yep. and get to the next level. And that's level. that's actually really interesting when it comes to medically complex kids. Yeah. Because you have to teach them to be independent. Yeah. And not just to be independent, but to work with what they got. Yeah. Um, our son now, we are absolutely super fortunate and very, very blessed with the way that, that, uh, with the way that, uh, our journey has been with that. And that's also something that people don't understand when they're like, oh, you're so strong. And they're like, how can you possibly say that you're blessed? Right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, because we did all those hard things, right? So yeah. I call him the king of pain. I call his sister the full entertainment package. And I call him the King of Pain. Yeah. Um, and I've switched that recently to just Little King. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he smiles every time I call him the Little King. Yeah. And um, uh, so. Why, why King of Pain? He the King of, a lot pain, of pain because he's had so many surgeries. Oh, okay. So he's been mechanically separated and, and <laughs> put back together, you know, more times than you and I ever will. Yeah. Um, because he had to have, uh, he had bilateral hip dislocation. He was born with it. So he had to have surgery to give him hips. Oh, wow. He wasn't moving very much in the womb, and so he didn't develop. He had very extremely shallow hip sockets. Yeah. And um, he had to have, you know, surgery where they literally, you know, cut an incision to, you know, kind of, you know, halfway up, up his leg from his, from his uh, knee yeah. to, you know, up by his stomach, expose his whole hip, pop his femur out, sever it. Um, you know, uh, take a chunk out of, of that uh, femur, yeah. um, uh, attach it and rotate it back on, and then take the chunk that they took and graft it to his hip for uh, for a socket. Because people are, Damn. well, people people think hip replacement. It's like, well, no, he's 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 a baby. Yeah. Right. He's um, well. He was three at the time. Um, That's a baby. Like like you can't you can't do a hip replacement on a three year old. Right. right. You'd have to change it every six months. Yeah. Um, and so um, uh, and so. Yeah, and we were we were told early on um, that he likely wouldn't walk, and that we shouldn't expect him to walk, and yeah. that um, you know we shouldn't push him to do things that he can't do, and that we should you know just accept that he's limited and and what. That'd be hard to hear. Yeah, uh, it is, but that's just because you know some people at the very beginning have to give you worst case scenario just so that you're prepared for yeah. worst case, and then anything else is a plus. Yeah, um, the staff at the Alberta Children's Hospital did not reinforce any of that. They, they believed, you know, the, the best possible outcome, um, and made us, you know, we were, we were able to, we were able to see the best possible outcome and they actually, you know, are basically miracle performers there. They are. I've got a friend that's an RN there. Oh yeah. Blows my mind. Yeah. Uh What's your friend's name? Um, McIntyre. Hang on. It's coming to me. Oh, you can't do last names. Nurses don't have last names. True enough. Chad, nurses do yeah. not have last names. Liz. Oh, okay. Liz. Okay. Okay. Can't believe I forgot. Yeah, she worked in oncology. Her as, when she graduated from nursing school, uh-huh. she went into oncology at, at um, Children's Hospital uh-huh. and uh, cried for two years. Oncology is so hard, man. Well, I mean, most of that stuff, most mo- most most people's hospital journey. Um, I'm not going to discount it. Um, yeah. I I actually. Um, going back to passive aggressive, um, I actually made fun, not to their face, but that's even more cowardly, um, uh, of some of these, um, uh, um, people that are in orthopedic, you know, like 
their kid has a broken leg and it's the end of the world. Like they, you know, feel like the worst parent or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, my kid has a tracheostomy, so he breathes through his neck. You know, he has a feeding tube, so he actually doesn't eat through his mouth. Um, And um, he's had bilateral hip surgery, so he's in a spica cast. The spica cast, for those listening, just Google it. Yeah. Um, It's it's a cast from your ankles to your armpits. armpits. And uh, it's it's not fun. It's not fun. But it's uh, it's important for recovery. I got to tell a funny story about Children's Hospital. So Eric had some I issues. love any story about Children's Hospital. Eric, I won't, I won't tell that story. Okay. But anyways, I was at the hospital with Eric, mm-hmm. and uh, he was pretty young. He was well, 11 he's, months he, old, he, 12. He's a, he's a ripe old 12 now. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. So anyways, you know how they have the little pods, right? There's like four rooms, and there's a nurse in the center of the pod, and you're yep. in there getting your stuff done. So anyways, I'm in there with Eric. I think at this time it was a flu or something. And right across uh, the from our pod was this kid in there, um, sort of by himself, and there was someone that didn't seem like a family member that was there um, with him. And it turns out it was a school trip, and one of the supervisors, he had broken his arm uh, skiing. And so they brought him down to the children's hospital. They called his parents. His dad shows up. His dad shows up, and he's a gorilla. Gorilla. <laughs> he's like six foot eight, probably 360, muscle bound, like super, super fit. He walks in the room, and the kid holds up his arm. He's like, Dad, I think I broke my arm. And it's from the middle of the forearm. It's pointing down. Yeah, it's angulated, yep. And the dad just whoop. Onto the ground, yeah, oh yeah. and the nurse looks over at me, and she looks over at the guy. Like, couldn't believe that it had happened. I'm sure she's seen it thousands of times, and she's like, "I'll start another chart." Calls the other nurse, is like, "Can you get him some water and some oxygen?" And then, yeah. they and then they have to call again. a special code too when it's an adult. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're not. And who's going to pick him up? And yeah. the guy was literally a gorilla. He yeah, <laughs> shaved down. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love the children's hospital that we got here. We've been there. Four times maybe in our in uh-huh. our time as parents, and and none of them have been horrible. Uh, some of them have been gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I tell a story? There's there's some knowing looks for those listeners. Yeah. There's some knowing looks being shot across from it's, father it's, to son here. I'm not going to tell the story without his permission, <laughs> but it's a great story. Come on, Eric. What do you think? Huh? What's that? Okay. Oh. Off air, I can tell you. I just can't tell it. Hey, you know what, Chad? I, I really appreciate what I just observed. Okay. Right? So you wanted to tell a story, right? Yeah. You got your 12-year-old son here, but you actually asked for his permission. Yes. And am respecting the fact that he did not give that permission, right? It's a little different. It was just the three of us in a room and not a mic and anyone uh-huh. else listening. I probably would have told the story <laughs> without asking permission. I am trying to I'm trying to validate you here <laughs> yeah. and try to say that you are uh, you know, I, parenting the right way. I here, have a Chad. line in the sand, and we found my line today. But often I, uh, again, taking ownership, I cross that line when I should. I get told mm-hmm. from my wife, you can't be posting pictures of anything anytime you want. I'm like, uh, yeah, I can. I own him. I made him. I got. I made half of him. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I get in trouble for my family. Sometimes I'll say to my kids, "Excuse me, who's the boss here? <laughs> right. Like, I, I made you. Yeah. I made you. Right? Yeah. Not to bring up Bill Cosby, but he has a great bit about I brought you into this world and I could take, take you out, out of yeah. this world. Yeah. yeah. Bing Noah. Um, <laughs> that was a the, great skit. The uh, um. One thing I try to reinforce with my children is decision making and uh, yeah. and consequence because of those those decisions and following through with those decisions. All about so, accountability. Yeah, um, um, I'm and 
uh, with our daughter. Uh, our daughter is very enthusiastic, very charismatic, um, and she's a bright light. Yeah. Uh, so she wants to do everything, and she's tried a lot of things. She's been in gymnastics, she's been in taekwondo, she's been in swimming, um, but we let her decide. Yeah. Right? So it's like, okay, you can only be in, you know, she does Youth Singers of Calgary. Yeah. And she also does dance. She really likes dance, but she hates ballet, uh, which is a very interesting parallel. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, we'll have her choose. We'll yeah. say, okay, well, you need to choose. And she can actually, she doesn't need time. Yeah. She'll say, yeah, okay, this, you know. Um, uh, so um, I think it was last year we said, you have to choose between gymnastics and dance if you want to do youth singers, right? Yeah. And so she said, okay, I'll do dance. I yeah. don't need to do gymnastics anymore. And it was right away, and she didn't look back. Nice. Um, which, is, which is great, because she knows that she made that decision, yeah. and we validated that decision, and we supported it. My kids are good decision makers, but it's always no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? I think we're going to wrap up this podcast. It's 9 o'clock, and the mm-hmm. boys uh, got an ear infection, so I should probably send them to bed. Yikes. Yeah, it's a problem when you got a 12-year-old producer. You can't stay up all night talking. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for being on here. Tell people how they can follow your journey. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, I feel like there's a bunch of stuff that was left unsaid. Maybe I can come back you sometime. Can come back anytime. Uh, the uh, yeah, my journey is uh, mostly on Instagram. Uh, awesome. I've tried to change my name a few times because it used to be YYC Burger Review. Yeah, but now it's actually the closest I could get to being me is Kubla Kai. Kubla is a, a nickname that a friend gave me very long ago. Yeah. So it's uh, on Instagram. It's K U B L A underscore K A I. Beautiful. I'll post all this stuff in the uh, the description of the podcast and on the social media as well. And uh, Eric, you want to run the outro? Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. This podcast is over. <laughs>